Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we have our first of hopefully 20 college coaching interviews for all of you listeners as we prepare for the start of the 2023 college tennis season. Now over on our Great Shot podcast feed, you can hear Chris Halioris, John Parsons, and myself break down our preseason top 10 Division I men's and women's teams entering this 2023 college tennis season here on this show. My hope is to interview the head coach of each of our preseason top 10 teams on both the men's and the women's side. This exercise, dare I say, has become a bit of a tradition here at Cracked Rackets. It's always such a pleasure for me to have the opportunity to speak with so many significant coaches before the start of the college tennis season. I know it helps provide me with the information I need to feel ready for another season. Hopefully, these podcasts offer all of you listeners that exact same feeling as well. And again, this interview with Coach Swain, hopefully the first of 20 coaching interviews we will have for all of you listeners over the course of the next month. But of course, here on today's show with USC Women's Tennis Head Coach Allison Swain, we got to discuss the Trojans 2022 season. And of course, why coming off of that season, Coach Swain feels more confidence in her program than at any other point of her six-year tenure, of course, I had to ask her why she's feeling so upbeat about her team heading into a new season. Wanted to ask her about all the returners, all the new talent the Trojan brings in as well. Of course, had to get her thoughts on conference realignment, on NIL, the transfer portal, fifth years recruiting, etc. as well. Needless to say, with all those topics in mind, it's a fantastic podcast. We know all of you listeners are going to enjoy, of course, before we get to it. Shout out to our friends at Swing Vision. Remember, if you want access to the best artificial intelligence technology in tennis, click on the link in the description to this podcast. Download the Swing Vision app today. Make sure you use our promo code CRACK20 as well to let them know we sent you there. But with that in mind, let's get to it. A fantastic conversation with USC Women's Tennis Head Coach, Allison Swain. Hey, Crack fans. Before we get to today's show, I want to let all of you listeners know about the revolutionary work being done by our friends over at Swing Vision. Now, all of us as tennis players are constantly searching for that piece of information that's going to give us that one, two, three percent edge whenever we step onto the court. We want to know, am I hitting my forehand with enough depth? Am I accurately placing my backhands? Am I employing patterns on the court that are putting me in an optimum position to experience success? Thankfully, all of those questions can now be answered via the app produced by our friends at Swing Vision. Folks, it's extraordinarily simple. You're going to download the app. You're going to turn that app on your phone. You're going to put your phone on the back fence, the back curtain of whatever court you're playing on. You're going to hit record. And then using artificial intelligence, Swing Vision is going to break down your performance. If you click on the link that you find in the podcast description here on today's episode, you'll go right to the Swing Vision website. And of of course, friends who use our Crack Rackets promo code CRACK20 are going to get an additional $20 discount and a free 14-day pro trial on the Swing Vision app. Again, you use that promo code CRACK20, $20 discount, as well as a free 14-day pro trial. How do you find the link to get signed up? Just go back to your podcast feed. It's in the podcast description of this episode. You go to the Swing Vision website, you set up your account, you download the app, you get rocking and rolling, get all the information one location with our friends at Swing Vision. Joining us on the podcast once again today is a coach all of you will know best as an eight-time Division Three national team champion. Of course, now we know her as the head coach of our preseason number 10 USC Women's Trojans. Welcome back onto the show, Coach Allison Swain. Coach, how are you doing today? I'm good. Yeah, I'm doing really well. Uh, get a quick work-from-home day today after being at Orange Bowl and Eddie Her and... While our girls are in finals, so it's that time of year. This is the question you knew you were going to get coming on to today's show. Compare California heat to Florida heat, because I don't think California heat's that bad. I think Florida heat can be unbearable. 
I agree. But uh, luckily, there was a lot less humidity uh, out in Florida this time around. So that was great. I have an assistant who was from Houston, Elizabeth Begley from Houston and trained in South Carolina. So she loves the humidity. I'm the opposite. Yeah, it's just humidity's not for me. I'm like, you know who doesn't like being uncomfortable? I don't. And so, yeah, it's just like, I'm fine. If I have to deal with a little bit of winter to get the 65 degree days I really love in March and April, uh, that's a trade-off I'm willing to make. But of course, we can do more meteorology if you'd like on this show. We can also, <laughs> though, of course, talk about your USC Trojans. And, you know, I, I am curious, though, before we get back to last season, you're on a recruiting trip here in December. Is December the biggest month for recruiting or is it really the summer months? I'm always curious how coaches yeah. structure things. I think it really depends on where you're at with your recruiting and your commitments. And, you know, something for me is just, we can start talking to, you know, juniors right after they finish sophomore year. I think one of the things for me is it's, it's hard to commit it, commit a player two years out and really get to know them well enough. And sometimes you can, and sometimes you can't. So, um, you know, I think the recruiting process takes time to be sure on both ends. So December has been a pretty important month for us and this year, but, but sometimes, sometimes summer is too, depending on if we've had those commitments or not. Mm -hmm. And I know I've asked you this in the past, but as I look at the composition of so many rosters this season, and I know, again, we have two years left of the COVID emphasizing five high school graduating classes, uh, right now currently competing in college tennis. But over these past couple of years, and as we look at your roster this season, I am curious how you've balanced recruiting the potential four-year players versus knowing, hey, let me pop on the portal and see who might be able to contribute right away. Yeah, I think we've always tried to look for the players that are going to be a great fit for our program and um, the culture we're building here. So, you know... um, Aaron Cayetano, current senior, her having a fifth year like that, that just changed everything. That's a really small class for us. Um, and so for her to stay for her fifth year really made the 2023 situation easy for us. But Natalie Rodoloso is is new to our team this year. She was a grad transfer that came up late um, last spring with a lot of doubles experience at Princeton, something we felt like we needed and could use some help with. And so she was the perfect fit for us. And the funny thing about her is both Elizabeth had coached her for a year and recruited her at Princeton. And I had tried to sway her from Princeton to Williams. Um, so we both knew her too. So we knew what she would bring outside of the tennis as well. And that helped. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, certainly it feels like you were able to pick from both pools of players, right? As you look at what you guys were able to pick up for the roster this season. And, you know, you bring up that doubles component. And before we get into 2023, I do want to look back at 2022. You guys go 18 and 12 overall on the year. Obviously, you do qualify for the national indoors, knocked out NCAA round of 32. I always say if I'm going to say something about a team, I better have the cojones to say it to the coach as well. So I'll just say it to you right away. The, I believe it was eight losses in nine match win streak that month of February. I feel like if you remove that month, great year for USC women's tennis last season. No doubt about that. But how frustrating was that month? How difficult is it to dig yourself out of that? Yeah, I think that was really that was really hard for us as a team, you know, staff, players, everybody um, while we were in it. And and I think one of the things that that was interesting for us is that's the first year we've made indoors in in several, several years, Um, certainly since I've been coaching there, um, since any of the current players have been playing there. And we played two really gutsy, great matches to make indoors, both 4-3, coming down to the last match, feeling really good. We get to indoors. We had some serious hiccups with health there. And, you know, if you look back on our your, our roster, you can see we didn't have our whole roster there. Uh, we had, you know, I don't, I don't like making excuses, but we, you know, we had a player flying in last minute, you know, <laughs> hours into the night before our first match. It was, it was crazy. Um, not ideal prep, uh, which you can't always control, which is fine. But I think, you know, we played okay at indoors, but our team took it really hard. You know, we lost to Texas, the the reigning national champs in the first round. Our team 
realized that they had some opportunities there to make that match closer and put some pressure on them. And instead of saying, oh my gosh, we're awesome. We just did that with the defending national champs. We're this close. They really took that loss hard. Same with Texas A&M. Um, same with even just playing a close match with Wisconsin. And so I think we came out of national indoors with a lack of confidence instead of building confidence and grit. And, and I think that hit us hard and, and I don't think we, we needed to, like we played, we played fine at indoors and we played some really good teams. Um, so, you know, that, that was tough. And I think it exposed some double stuff that we needed to work on too. And, you know, it, it obviously helped turn our season around from that, that tough month when we got healthier and Naomi Chong was back in the lineup and, and people started making some strides, but we didn't respond quickly enough to, to that's what I think my team felt like was a setback at indoors. Fair. No, I, I get it. I mean, again, you mentioned it, those two indoors matches, uh, kickoff weekend, Miami and Baylor, those were two of the 10 best matches of the 2022 season across the country. And so that is what made that, I guess, dichotomy from how great January was to whatever happened in February. I can only, I'm saying this to you, you're like, listeners can't see Coach Swain's face where she's like, yes, Alex, I'm very well aware of what (laughs) happened. Uh, I'm curious though, scheduling wise, because I know national indoors, I guess, isn't something you can always plan for. But last year, pretty quickly after you went at Oklahoma, at Oklahoma State, it was a really tough schedule for the Trojans Mm -hmm. last year. I'm curious, I know you have the at Georgia, you know, you guys are at Georgia for the kickoff weekend. I know at Texas is on the schedule, but did that, how last year developed, did that cause any changes to how you structured this season? You know, it's clear from, if anybody looks at my schedule that I believe in tough scheduling (laughs) to to make you your best come April and May. Uh, It's definitely part of my philosophy. Yeah, we had, we played a tough schedule. I think, you know, we knew Oklahoma and Oklahoma state were going to be good. We played them both last year, the year before we won both those matches. They were close. They were tough. We went on the road. It was clear. Oklahoma was playing super well at that time. (laughs) You know, it just, it is what it was on the road and um, that tough scheduling. And again, our team learning some lessons about how quickly we need to rebound from losses, take the good, get better, move on. I think it was a really important lesson from last year. It, it helped us late in the season, but I believe that it's going to help us even more this season. We're returning a big core of players. We've talked a lot about February, and we've also talked a lot about our best matches and the difference between those two last season and what we're focusing on going to this into this spring so we can be more consistent. No, and I want to focus on this spring as well, but I always like asking this question also because it's just interesting to see what direction coaches take it. You get to replay one match from 2022. Which one are you picking and why? Uh, I think Santa Barbara at home. <laughs> yeah. I makes- mean, U- Utah was going to feel painful, win or lose. And if I could choose two, I would I would take that one back too because I think it changes a lot of, of our opportunities late in season. I don't know. It's hard. You know, Pac-12, we played an amazing – I mean, just an awesome match against a great ASU team at that moment. But there was a difference of points. Same with Santa Barbara, difference of points. But I think I think the Santa Barbara one really hurts because we had some match points in that match. And, um, yeah, I would take that back. Yeah, I thought an outside shot nominee was 4-3 against UCLA at home to end the year because, like, again – things started rolling right when they needed to for the Trojans at the end of last season. But for what it's worth, very good answer. Uh, But you mentioned bringing back that core of players here to 2023 and, you know, looking at some of the fall results. Now, it was going to be impossible for Aaron to repeat this fall, what she did last year. I mean, that's a pantheon sort of fall for what Aaron was able to accomplish in 2022. But, you know, looking at your team's individual records, 84 and 45 in singles, Always good when you can win two thirds of your matches. Same in doubles, twenty nine and thirteen. How did you? How would you assess your team's fall and how each of these players performed? You know, we played a lot in the fall, and it's mm-hmm. it's always hard to assess um, because it's so many individual tournaments as a group. Um, but we played a lot this fall. We added more to our schedule. We're really trying to play the best college tournaments we can, and then add in some pro events and. 
there was a little bit of a learning curve there for for all like uh, especially our top players of like uh, the amount of competition that's right for them um but i think what's more important than the numbers is every we put ourselves out there a lot and that's what we need our freshmen need that experience some of our sophomores are still building experience um we're really working on a few things uh in our singles again around like approach to challenge when matches get tough or when we take a tough loss and one of the things i loved is when we went and played regionals our players if they lost and they were back in playing consolation and people have different philosophies on that but our players really bought into you know, I'm going to keep going and I'm going to take a lesson from this match that I didn't like the outcome of, and I'm going to do something better in the next one. And I think that's going to pay off long-term for us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that fight through adversity is always that much more difficult when the injuries begin to pile up. And when I look back at USC's, your team seasons last year, I think like we're both Naomi and Snow fully healthy in any match you guys played last season? And I honestly don't know if I can answer that question legitimately yes. It felt like there was always a significant nick or bruise. Now, you talk about putting yourselves out there. How nice was it to have a healthier team? And is that a fair assessment to say? Is that because you were healthier, you just were able to build up some more calluses? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I I think there were very few matches that we didn't have somebody banged up or... um, you know, somebody playing in a higher spot or, or whatever, whatever it was. But um, I think we were in the fall. I think while we weren't necessarily able to work our ideal doubles teams consistently through tournaments this fall because of players being in different places physically for different tournaments, um, we did get to work on some concepts and doubles that we really want to be known for and want to be uh, really excellent at. Um, And I think that will help us too, uh, because that's a, that's a place where we know we can be better. That will take some, we'll just give us some more momentum. 15 doubles pairings this fall. Are you building? Con- yeah, that's what's bravo. I think that's, wow. Yeah, 15 different pairings. And so <laughs> okay. it really was about the principles more than pairings this fall. That's why I bring it up. For sure. For yeah. sure. And we just, you know, we we chose the tournaments uh, that players went to, you know, based on all kinds of, of things. But doubles was not doubles pairings was not was one of many factors. So sure. um, we just wanted to get everybody in there, everybody competing. I mean, Nat, I don't even know how many doubles pairs she played with. Like, I mean, she's a huge part of that. She played, I think, with somebody different almost every single tournament. Six different pairings for her. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she played six events. So there we go. Yeah. A different doubles partner every event. That's just impressive. Again, you're, you're not going to get a formal award for that, but we at Crack Rackets will appreciate that. Please know. Um, well, it, let's see how it pays off. Yeah. That's first. Very fair. Um, You know, we had the chance, and I want to talk about some players individually. I think a lot of people watch Aaron and the serve out wide, the forehand. Like, it's just very clear what makes Aaron an exceptional tennis player. We at Cracked Rackets had a lot of opportunities to watch Snohan compete this summer. And obviously, she was able to have a bunch of success on the USTA SoCal Pro Circuit, was able to capture an ITF Pro title. And yet when I watch, you know, I've, I've logged a lot of hours. Some scholars have argued I've spent more time on PlaySite than anyone else in the world. Um, and when I watch Snow compete, I just see someone who like, I know what plan B is. I know what plan C is. I know what plan D is. I know she can improvise so well. But I'm curious how you coach her for plan A. Because like for someone who can do a million things, how do you narrow that pathway down and Again, with that pro success in mind, I feel like Snow is really well positioned to make a big leap this college season. Yeah, I think she's a player that people didn't talk a lot about last spring. And, you know, I don't I don't keep track of the stats as much as uh, others do. Um, but she went on a, a big winning streak at one point, And I think it actually might have been in February, which was, you know, unfortunate um, <laughs> that we didn't fully capitalize on that as a team. Um, and then and she learned a lot. 
And she really put herself out there this summer and played a lot of events and I think solidified a lot of things that were starting to come together in the spring for her. So that's exciting. Um, With any player that I coach that has a lot of different options in their game and a lot of variety in their game, I think it's about um, really finding some discipline around these are my best plays, these are my strengths, this is what works best for me, and this is what I'm using at the beginning of a match, and then I adapt if I need to. Um, This is what I'm using on big points, this is how I get to my best shots. Um, and it's, it's a lot about that. And sometimes it's even about teaching them a little bit more about high percentage because they can do so many things. Sometimes the fancier thing or the lower percentage thing is more appealing. Um, but those kinds of players are fun to coach for sure. And, um, snow has definitely taken a big step forward of knowing her game and also knowing and embracing what she needs to work on to continue to build because she's got big goals. Are you banning the underhand serve for her, though? You're like, you know what, last year you did enough underhand serving. We're going to keep it all overhead this year. So I don't think she underhanded serves. I thought she did with the shoulder. I'm pretty sure I remember some underhand serves. Um, we She's worked a lot on her serve, and, yeah. and the serve will continue to be a place that she, she works on. Uh, and uh, her serve is, is definitely better, and that's something we're going to keep focusing on. Uh, it's a big it's It's a big piece for her as well as using her return. I mean, mm-hmm. if she can set herself up well in the first couple shots, mm-hmm. she's tough. And her serve plus one has gotten a lot better. Yeah. No, I feel like I remember the underhand serve because, like, she has great hands. And I feel like she actually mm-hmm. could cut it a little bit. And I was like, hey, like, that's how you should be hitting the underhand serve. But, of course, again, Snow, just one part of the equation. I want to look at a couple of freshmen who got a ton of match play last year. And that, of course, is Grace Park. Piper, Sloan, Mora. Um, talk to me about what you saw from them in their first season. And then maybe more importantly, that first full summer after your freshman year, we see so many players make those big leaps. How did those two embrace, you know, the summer after their first college season? Yeah, I mean, both of them are hard workers and and really want to get better and uh, want to help this team with our goals. Um, so, I think both from a fitness and a tennis standpoint, they've both improved. The other thing too is, you know, they, we also work a lot on the mental game and that's been, that's been huge um, for a few of our players as well. And it's been really fun to talk to them over the summer as they've been training and playing and see what they're realizing. Um, I think they're very much more committed to the style of tennis they each play that makes them great. Um, and then it's really small individual stuff and they've both just been so open to that. Um, what individually is going to help take their game to the next level? What's going to help them compete better? I mean, the strides Sloan has made, for example, in doubles and even grace too, um, are, are really remarkable to me faster than I expected. And I know that's an area again, like we weren't exceptional last year um but the kind of jumps they're making just in that one space their comfort at the net their knowledge of how they're moving their commitment to um where they can be more aggressive is really showing up and then in singles they know their games better but they've got a couple more things to add in whether that's a mental component a a little more strength or just an another piece of variety um So I think we're going to see that in the spring. Mm -hmm. You talk about the doubles. And yeah, I've been building to this question, I suppose. I was talking with Ronnie Bernstein, of course, head coach of Michigan, who did not have a great doubles season last year. And I won't use the expletive terms she was talking to me about, but she said, and she said, you can use this anecdote. At one point, she goes to her team and just says, look, guys, what do you want to do for pairings? Because clearly, whatever we're suggesting, it's not working anymore. So I'm just going to put some responsibility on you guys now. Let's just, let's try to mix things up. To some extent, did you do that this fall? Yeah, I actually think we did that late in the spring and started to have more success. So, you know, at one point we changed things up and put Salma and Aaron together at one. And then Naomi was back and healthy. Having her in there really helped. And we put her together with Grace. And um, I mean, honestly, actually, we didn't win the doubles point against Pepperdine in the round of 32 of NCAAs. But came down to a breaker, um, right? 
it came down to a breaker. That number two doubles match, it was against, it was Naomi and Grace against Janice and Savannah. It was, I mean, both sides. I mean, I think Pepperdine would say this too, have said this too. It was one of the best doubles matches we've seen in college tennis. And Salma and Aaron won their match. We were, we were close in it for a while at three before Pepperdine took it. And so that, that doubles point doesn't show up on paper. Pepperdine won it, but um, we were really on the right track when we played ASU with those, those pairings, we, we took the doubles point, um, against, you know, ASU, which traditionally plays good doubles. So same with UCLA. So I think the switch we made at the end really helped. Um, and some things started clicking, but you know, do you, do you have that candid of a talk with your players where you're like, look, like we, if we know it, you guys have to know it as well. Is that yeah. how honest the communication has to be? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yes. and I think actually that's one of the things that's really helpful with our team this year is they are super open um, mm-hmm. to feedback. They want to be great and they understand the work it takes to be great. Um, so they've been really open to feedback. They've wanted more of it. Um, they've embraced what we've brought up and they've also been able to tell us more and give us more feedback. So I think communication on our team has been excellent this fall. And that's something we don't talk about outside the talent, but makes a huge difference. From a team camaraderie chemistry standpoint, obviously it's your sixth season as well. Is this the most continuity you've had coming back during your time at USC? Yeah, absolutely. Last year, these girls got a real taste of, of what I think it means to be a team um, and, and play as a team and really trust your teammates. Um, they got a taste of that at times and, and had to work through some hard stuff. And this year, there's just been huge momentum in that direction. Um and that's going to help us. I mean, I, I told my team we were talking about it. It's something that's really important to our team. And I told my team this fall, I was like, that my Williams teams, they used to talk about that as their secret weapon. Yeah. Like, they didn't care. Like, you know, they didn't care that one of our players was down, you know, 2-5 in the second, having lost the first and the finals of NCAAs. This, you know, this actually happened. They believed she was going to do everything in her power and more to come back. And so there was no mental sidetrack of, okay, what's happening on my court because she's about to lose and, you know, all of that distraction um, because they just felt like there was no other option but to figure out a way to win because they believed and trusted each other so much. And I think our, our team at USC is, is feeling more of that now, which is great. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's awesome to hear. And obviously it's always nice to bring in some new pieces as well. And, I think I, I made it a goal because obviously I try to do my research. I don't think you've gone 25 minutes in any of your interviews this season without mentioning Maddie. So I was like, I'm going to hold it off as long as possible. And then <laughs> we can talk about the superstar freshman. But anytime you bring in a player who I believe is top 500 in the WTA rankings, mm-hmm. or certainly right around it, 10 and one, uh, obviously in college results this fall and wins that Milwaukee event. Talk to me about what it means to get a player of that caliber onto the roster and how she has adjusted to that first semester of college tennis. Well, Maddie's always been a great tennis player and she's always had a great trajectory, but I think she really made a big jump at the end of last spring over the summer and into this fall. And um, that's been really exciting to see. (laughs) The other thing is, is Maddie's come in and she's been so excited to be a Trojan and be part of this team and develop relationships with the girls on the team. So it's been a really smooth transition on all fronts and, and she's a worker and she's very professional um, and, and knows what she wants. And so she's really embraced uh, the pieces in her game that we feel like could get better. And she works on those things. Um, And she's also just been able to play a ton of tennis. You know, her body has been able to do that. We worked through a schedule with her, um, over the summer to try to balance pro events and college events. And one of her, she's got goals in both. And one of her goals was to make fall nationals. And so we were like, okay, well let's put Milwaukee on the schedule then early on. It's like, I'm like, okay, she may or may not qualify for fall Nats here. Let's, let's just get her going early and, and see if she needs to play regionals later. And, you know, she and Naomi just go and crush it there. And, 
they end up playing each other in the final, which was bittersweet. Um, and and they end up winning the doubles. And it's like, oh my God, you two just like first <laughs> event of the fall, couple weeks of practice, and you just go, both of you absolutely make the most out of this event. And I think that's a testament to um a, a lot of how our team has approached events this fall. Um, and, and Maddie did the same thing at fall rank spotlight, you know? Um, so it's been, it's been great to have her in so many ways and she's just added into this, this level of intensity and focus that we've wanted to have consistently in our training from everybody. Um, and really kudos to everyone on our team who's really bought into that, but both Maddie and Emma are big pieces of that too. So there hasn't been a lot of like having to teach the freshmen, the standards. This might be the most important question I ask you on today's show. How do I pronounce Maddie's last name? Because God, it's Sieg. It's Sieg. Okay. Mm -hmm. Clarification, college tennis fans. Sieg, we now know officially, and I have a feeling we're going to be saying that name a bunch, but I think a lot of people knew Maddie. Obviously you come from a family that has developed national, you know, her mom, obviously a two-time national champion, five-time All-American at USC. Maddie's a name we're a little bit more familiar with, but you brought up Emma there at the end. Emma had a really good fall in terms of her singles results. 10 and six, Mm -hmm. played a lot of really good players, really close, if not beat them. You know, again, I always say it's it's a double-edged sword, right? Because to have good freshmen is always great, but to have to rely on freshmen as a coach sometimes a knot develops in your stomach. That said, talk to me about Emma's game a little bit because I was really impressed with what I saw. Yeah, when I first started watching Emma at a tournament, you know, way back a few years ago, I was like, oh my God, I love this kid. She's so competitive. <laughs> She's fiery. And she will, she just has a ton of variety mm-hmm. and speed and athleticism. And, um, and she uses that really well. And this fall we've been actually working more on her, her offense, her ways to finish. Um, and that's been a fun project. And, and she's had some moments where I feel like, well, I know she feels like she's missed opportunities to, to close out matches, but she's also had some moments where she's really been able to find the balance and all the things she can do with her tennis and take advantage and win some big matches. And, and that's been really fun um, to see her do that. I think regionals was the tournament that really stood out for her. Uh, and this is a girl when she takes a loss, man, she's, she's not having it. Like something's going to change for the next round. Um, because she's far from satisfied when that happens. And I think she felt like women of Troy was, was not her best. And, and her next event was regionals and wow, she just went out there and made a statement, which was fun. No, absolutely. And so with all that in mind, again, and we didn't bring up Maddie Koenig, who also, I think she tied most wins. Uh, McKenna. Uh, McKenna, did I say Maddie? Sorry. And, that's, and that's, that's okay. And that's Koenig. Koenig. See, again, we're learning yeah. here early. This is yeah. important. Um, had a great year as well. When I look at the team, you know, again, on returners alone, you can find a lineup. But you bring in a couple of freshmen. You bring in Rodoloso as well to accentuate the depth. You know, that's the key word that I think of when I look at this team is the depth you guys have as your biggest strength. But I'm curious, when you assess things, what are the biggest strengths for the Trojans in 2023? Yeah, just a word on depth. I think that's something we've we've needed more of and we have. Um, and I just want to shout out McKenna because in her last tournament of the year, I mean, she's probably one of our most improved players. Um, she beat Carolyn Campagna. Um and then she went on to beat one of the freshmen from UCLA who she'd lost to in three sets earlier in the fall. And I just love seeing that grit. You know, I think we love it as a team. We really celebrate like opportunities to get redemption. And so that was really fun to see. She had a great fall. She did well for us last spring when she was playing for us. So um, yeah, just another piece of depth that's important. But in terms of our biggest strengths, I think it's really going to be um i don't think of them as intangibles but that's probably the best word to use it's where we're at with our team culture it's the fire we have to be more consistent and take the lessons from past years to do that it's um the fact that nat emma and maddie have come into this team and really seamlessly added to our culture and work ethic 
So we're building some belief. We've got to make that belief strong enough that it makes us really gritty in the tough matches. And if we do have a tough match or somebody individually has a tough loss, we've got to rebound from that right away. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. especially with our especially with our spring schedule. Yeah, we're not no Februarys. That's the rule. No Februarys here mm-hmm. in 2023. That's what we're. Uh, that's our philosophy. All right. Speaking of that schedule, again, home stretch of questions here. Kickoff weekend. You guys make the choice. You go to Georgia. Now, obviously, at the time, just some context for our listeners because we talked about this on the show. Liam Ma did not play NCAs for Georgia last year. You didn't know about Vecic coming onto the team. Also. That said, when you, I guess, kickoff weekend, you guys are headed to that Athens position. What was going through your mind when you make that pick? And do you think the kickoff draft should be closer to the start of the season? I mean, probably what was going through my mind is, <clears throat> damn, I wish we had finished top 16 and yeah. taken advantage of the opportunity <laughs> to do that. Uh, you know, that would have been great. That would have been my first choice, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things to factor in and, um, you only know what you know at the time in June. Uh, I thought it was really fun to do kickoff after that COVID year a little later, but you know, it is what it is. You got to choose a schedule for your team and you only know so much when you pick about rosters. And you also only know so much when you pick about who else is going to pick after you and all those things. Um, we're excited to go to Georgia. We haven't we haven't played there as a team. We haven't played Georgia in a long time. There were places we could have picked where we might have matched up against another Pac-12 team or, you know, um, been in a regional like last year that was very, very even. Um, we're going to test ourselves mm-hmm. right from the get-go. And we're going to know where we're at and we're going to know what we have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, by, you know by that kickoff weekend and then our away weekend at Texas, we're going to have a real assessment of where we're at and where we need to get to um, as we move through the rest of February and into our conference season. And and we've got to take advantage of that, whether that's winning kickoff and going to national indoors or whatever, or not, uh, we're going to have to take advantage of our training in February. Yeah, no, I mean, certainly, again, the schedule is there to get to see you guys play your best and get tested against the best. By the way, I meant to ask this just because I didn't want to forget the Pomona match at the end of the year. That's a Coach Swain special, right? It is a a little bit of a Coach Swain special. It was was a promise from something that got canceled a while ago, and and so we're going to do it. It should be fun. Uh, We also have a big team. We've got 11 players. I I want people to keep – you know, people all need to get their reps in. And um, we added in a couple of double headers late last season and they proved really helpful actually for figuring out our doubles and what our best lineup was and also sharpening, just sharpening our skills in doubles before we went into uh, postseason play. And I think those extra reps made a difference. I'm waiting for Williams to be on the schedule. We both are waiting. It's coming. I give it over under is four and a half more years. Uh, uh, let's get let's get Williams. You know, top four again. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Well, it'll be a, it's again. It's a long project. It's and the they long will term. and they and they will. I got yeah. a lot of faith in that team. They're working their way there. I I I think it. You know. I don't want to put predictions or pressure on them, but it's coming. Yeah, I like that. Well, again, speaking of what's coming, obviously we've got the season this year, but I'm sure on your mind now is conference realignment and the fact that it's been announced. USC, I when I went to practice with Coach Macy, I wanted to obviously come and attend a practice of yours as well. It just didn't work out timing well, but I go, oh, guys, welcome to Big Ten country. Like, you're now in my turf now. Like, yeah. And by the way, the Marks Tennis Center, way too slow to be a Big Ten court. Like, that's, that's just <laughs> not acceptable. <laughs> uh, moving forward. I also think that, for lack of a better term, I think USC and UCLA should get to keep Ojai in the divorce. And, like, Ojai comes to the Big Ten for conference championships. But that's a conversation for a different time. What are your thoughts on the conference realignment? Do you even allow yourself to start thinking about it yet? So we don't know schedules yet. And mm-hmm. and I, I don't, we don't have a specific date or timeline that that's going to be figured out, but I think that's a big piece of it. That's probably the first question that all of us as coaches have, including the big 10 coaches. Um, but I think there's some real benefits, you know, everybody jumps to travel. The reality is, you know, when we go to Washington, Washington state, the flights aren't as far, but it's a tough, it's a tough trip between those two 
schools. Same with Utah, Colorado, up at altitude, flights between. So we're going to adapt. We're going to be, we're going to get good at being on the road when we have to be on the road. We're going to get better at playing indoors. I actually think long-term, it's going to really help us postseason. One of the things that helped us at Williams is we had to play on all these funky surfaces, mm-hmm. right? Like it's not just indoors, whether it's fast or slow or whatever. It's like indoors, rubberized, not tennis specific. <laughs> it's great. It's crazy. And then you're outdoors in wind and cold and whatever got thrown at us in postseason, we were like, ah, well, we've, yeah. we've experienced worse or we've experienced something equally hard as this. And, and so I think, having a few trips on the road where we have to change quickly, pivot quickly to indoors or outdoors and not Southern California conditions are, are good for us. Um, I also think exposure and the resources in the big 10 are really exciting. Um, I think it's a great group of coaches, just like it's a great group of coaches in the PAC 12. So that's exciting. And, um, you know, sneak peek 2024 spring, we're going to, we're going to go to Michigan, Michigan yeah. State and play them. So get a little experience. It's not often I email coaches and say, hey, can I schedule an away match against you? Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm always, we're always, would love to play at home. Um, but yeah, I, I reached out to those coaches and they had room in their schedule. So we're excited uh, to get a little exposure to that next year ahead of the formal move. I will be at the women's indoors, thankfully, hopefully, knock on wood, um, assuming everything goes according to schedule. But the USC men are coming to Ann Arbor this year to play the Wolverines mm-hmm. before the men's indoors. And I was like, are you guys staying at my parents' house? I was like, is that what we're doing here? <laughs> so, like, uh, we'll have to figure that out when you guys come to town. But, um, no, yeah. obviously – this is a stupid question, but I guess they all are to some extent – does it help tennis when football's really good, like it's been this year for USC? Is there any sort yeah. of trickle down? Yeah, I think for sure. There's a lot more, you know, there's just a lot of excitement around our athletic department right now. Um, I think every, you know, anytime a program excels, it helps raise the tide for everybody. And um, we're an athletic department that is close, that works really well together, that gets excited for each other. So I think all of us are, you know, when beach volleyball wins a national championship, we're like, okay, come on, let's go. Who's next? Um, uh, you know, I was out recruiting in Florida, like I said, and my assistant and I made sure we got dinner and got home in time to watch the water polo national championship on TV. Um, but it's, it's fun. It's fun when football is doing well, when we're filling the stadium, when everybody's into it, uh, it's fun for our players. And there is a trickle down of just rising tide. Let's all be great. More impactful transfer, Caleb Williams or Natalie Rodoloso? <laughs> <laughs> for us? Yeah, I like it. That's that's For the right tennis, Natalie. Yeah, it's a good answer. It, the portal in general, fifth years, is it still humming or is it starting to slow down? Yeah, I think it's I think it's still going. I think this, you know, some rules changed where you can't yeah. go into the portal at any given moment. Um, so spring will be interesting. Yeah. You know, obviously this time right now is not which when the portal's open to go in is not a super busy time because we haven't had our main season yet. Um, it's busier for sports like soccer and football that have just finished their main season. Um, so I think this spring will be, see- it'll be interesting to see. It definitely was spring 2022, man, there were a lot of players in there. Yeah. It's, it's free agency. It's, it makes my job a lot more fun. NIL yeah. stuff, prize money stuff, that continuing conversation. You have a better grasp on it a year later. Or is it still a little arbitrary? Yeah, a little bit. It's, it's, you know, it's something that USC is, is, is big into making sure our players have the support and information they need um, to take advantage. But, you know, women's tennis hasn't been at the place that football or men's basketball has been at yet. So um, it hasn't become a huge focus of my job, which I'm very happy to stay a little more focused on the, on the tennis court. <laughs> yeah, that's that said, if someone's got the 100K contracts for your players, they know where to find you. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, with all that said, my last question for you, well, last non-tennis question, I guess. The big news, it leaked out. There was a survey sent. 
we're moving NCAs to November coaches. How do you feel about that? Now, I suppose you don't have to tell us how you voted, but uh, it seems like things have sort of paused and they want to kind of reevaluate why are we moving the NCAs to the fall? Is this worthwhile? A year later, since I've asked that question, where are you with this individuals to the fall debate? Yeah, I've, I've moved far more towards, I, I think the fall has a lot of complications mm-hmm. and I'm, I would prefer to keep it in the spring. Um, you know, I, I think anytime there's a new idea coming up that could make college tennis better, we need to be open and listen to it and, and hear the pros and cons and delve into it. And I think the more it's been delved into, I think the cons are, are pretty strong. Um, so I'm glad there's a pause. I don't know what that will mean. Um, we will adapt however we need to adapt as a program to be great, but, I think for the student athlete uh, welfare, and I think for uh, college players that are that are trying to do a lot of things, um, having two main seasons is is not what we need to be doing. It's a lot, and especially for those with pro aspirations, it's like now you've got three seasons. Now you are playing twelve months round. Yeah, I think they're gonna. It's gonna force people to choose. I think we're in a place where more players can choose that they want to go to college and accomplish some things in college and have the academics of college and still pursue some pro pro goals. We're in a place where that can happen to a certain extent. And I think if we move it to the fall, that becomes a much tougher choice. Um, Whether they want to, how much they want to invest in college tennis. And I think that's sad because we want to have as many players get an education and play college tennis as would like to. Um, That just makes the sport better. Um, And I think it has really been good for a lot of players who are on the fence to come to college. Most of, I mean, I think everyone I've ever heard who's come to college, whether they've left early or stayed four years and gone pro, they speak extremely highly of their college experience as being a, a, a thing they were really happy they did. And, and I don't want that to change. Yeah, I mean, case in point, Emma Navarro could have left before her freshman year, after the freshman mm-hmm. year, and yet she came back that second year proving uh, the value. Yeah, I, it's going to be fascinating. I Just again, there's still so many uncertainties as it relates to that movement. What is the selection criteria? Where would you put yeah. it? I, I do. I really like that they're putting all three NCAA championships at one site this year. Like, I, I can't wait yes. to see what that buzz is like in Orlando, and I think that's kind of a dry run. Yeah, I think that's cool. I think I think it'll be fun. I'm excited to see what what that's like. Um, I will say another thing about the fall is just, you know, obviously the fall nationals had great players there, and I don't know who you would exclude. It's a very small draw, um, but it was it was hard to see. You know, Aaron Aaron wanted to be there, and. Um, she wanted to defend her title, obviously, and and she played a, a very good fall rank spotlight. Um, you know, her lo- one loss was to Fiona Crawley there, and she had other good wins. Um, you know, she she played one, I think, kind of what we would term a so-so tournament for her regionals, and and then she played some pro events and. Um, if you're looking at fall nationals with three weekends to potentially qualify for events, but three weekends, somebody gets injured, somebody plays one tournament, not up to the standard they hope for, or somebody just gets unlucky with their draw. And suddenly you don't have the best players in the tournament. And that's not what anybody wants. That's not good for college tennis. Um, and I think it was a, I would say this, if, if, you know, this happened next year with Fiona Crawley. Like Fiona Crawley should be back at Fall Nationals last next year to defend her title. Mm-hmm. No, I, I. If you win the title, you should get a shot to defend it. Oh, I mean, unless mm-hmm. you're senior and you've graduated, then go right. defend pro titles. Um, but no, I, I think that's completely fair. Um, and again, that's what makes this whole debate so interesting. Is you can so clearly see pros, cons. Uh, And it'll be fascinating to see, again, what coaches ultimately decide to do. But with all of that said, my final question to you, Coach Swain, it's how I like to end all of these preseason podcasts. When fans across the country in L.A. come watch the Trojans compete this year, what do you want their takeaway to be? 
I want them to see a team that really believes in themselves individually and each other to be great. Uh, and um, loves competing, loves it so much that they will be gritty. They will fight. They will dive into challenge to bring out the best in themselves and each other. And I hope that's what people see this, this spring when they come out. Absolutely. Well, coach, thank you so much as always for taking the time to chat. It's funny, Florida, clearly not big enough for the both of us. Just as you leave, I come down for my brother's 30th (laughs) birthday. So, um, you know, again, I though will be in LA to start January and I'm going to be there actually a bunch, I think early in the year. So I'm coming to a USC practice or match. If you'll have me, I should say. Um, and very much looking forward to watching your team compete. So thank you as always for taking the time to chat. Sounds good. Thank you. Yes, of course. Take care. Fight on. Fight on. Yes. Take care, Coach Swade. Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with USC women's tennis head coach Allison Swain. A massive thank you to coach for tolerating all of my nonsense, taking the time to chat with us today. Obviously, very much looking forward to seeing coach Swain and the Trojans compete in 2023. And by the way, if you want to hear more analysis on what USC is going to look like in the upcoming college tennis year, head on over to the Great Shot podcast feed. John Parsons, I already broke down the Trojans, offered our preview for how we think 2023 is going to go. So USC fans, that great shot podcast feed, the place for all of you. Of course, as I mentioned in the intro, this is our first of hopefully 20 coaching interviews for all of you college tennis fans over the next month. You'll be able to find them all here on the Craig Interviews podcast feed, team previews of all of our top 10 Division One's teams over on the Great Shot podcast feed. A shout out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the f*** of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of this content possible. Of course, a massive thank you to our friends at Swing Vision as well. Remember to gain access to the best in artificial intelligence technology in the sport of tennis. Just go download the Swing Vision app today. Make sure you use our promo code CR15 to let them know that we sent you there. But with all that said, for the fantastic USC women's tennis head coach, Allison Swain, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Swing Vision, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You've been listening to another edition of the Crack Interviews Podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy. Talk to you all soon. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.